Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. I'm Melba Wilson, and my cookbook is Melba's American Comfort. There are so many things I want to talk to you about. First, you were born, bred, and buttered in Harlem. How has the culinary landscape changed over the years? You know, back in the 40s and 50s, the culinary landscape in Harlem was extremely rich and vibrant. You had restaurants uh, such as the Savoy, which had great food. Minton's Playhouse had amazing, amazing jazz, but they also had a cook there by the name of Miss Adele, who could really, really throw down. Joe Lewis, the boxer, had a place, and he was very well known for his salmon croquettes. And of course, there was the famous Sylvia's, as well as the man himself who started chicken and waffles, Mr. Wells. Throughout, I guess, the 70s and 80s, the culinary scene kind of died down quite a bit. And um, within the last, I would say, Let's say 10 years, it's, it's revived. It's like we've gotten a shot in the arm, and you see everything from Ethiopian to Italian to Japanese spots and, of course, American comfort. Cooking in your kitchen was a privilege that had to be earned. How did your South Carolina family influence you? When I think about South Carolina, I really think about hospitality. You know, the Southerners have a way of presenting everything with a lot of warmth and a lot of love. And so even though I was born, bred, and buttered in Harlem, every summer I spent in South Carolina or North Carolina. So just being around that warmth, that hospitality, that true farm-to-table where everything came from the garden and went on the table uh, really had a huge influence on me. I mean, it's, it's pretty much all I knew. And I would say that it's the basis of where I've come from and also the basis of my cooking. So let's fast forward to 1987 and your aunt calls and she asks you to coordinate the 25th anniversary of her restaurant, the world-renowned Sylvia's in Harlem. Was that a pivotal moment in your career? I had no idea that it would catapult me and really be the blueprint or my love of the culinary industry. So the short answer, definitely. It was a pivotal moment in my career and in my life. Then after that, you ran into Pavarotti, or was it? Oh, that's such a great story. <laughs> and even years later, it still brings a, a great smile to my face and warmth to my heart. I was representing Sylvia's Restaurant at an event at Gracie Mansion, and it's where the mayor honors... Um, a film legend as well as a on-screen television legend. And this year they were honoring Robert De Niro. And they bring about some of the city's top restaurants in to provide the food for the event. So we're all going around the table and everybody's talking about what they're going to bring. They get to me and I say, I'm going to bring fried chicken and collard greens. I look across the room and there's this guy and he looks so much like Pavarotti to me <laughs> with the beard and, you know, the warmth and the, I was like, wow, what's Pavarotti doing here? And he says to me, why don't you bring sweet potato pie? And, you know, being from Harlem, I definitely had a little bit of sass with me. <laughs> and I, I took my neck and went from side to side and I said, why don't you bring sweet potato pie? Everybody laughed uh, because here I was this young girl who hadn't had a clue, and it was quite obvious. 
The event rolls around some eight weeks later, and in comes the Pavarotti guy, and he taps me on the shoulder. <laughs> he extends his hand to me, and he has this wonderful box. Well, I opened the box, and there were a dozen sweet potato mousse tarts. Can I tell you, oh when gosh. I bit into them, Susie, it was like biting into heaven. I bet. And that was my and that was my introduction to Drew Neoparent, <laughs> who is the king of the restaurant industry. The king. I, I used to go to Dylan Prime all the time, and yeah. I can still taste his mini beef Wellingtons in my head today. Amazing. They were so good. Amazing. So then you move on, and you met Josephina Howard. How did that come about? I was at a birthday party for Drew Neoparent, and um, Mrs. Howard was there. And she said, why don't you come and work for me? We struck up a conversation. And, of course, I'd heard of Rosa Mexicano. And um, she goes, why don't you come and work for me? And I said, no, no, I'm opening my own restaurant. She says, I want you to just come and work a few days. And I said, well, let me, let me come to dinner and we'll talk about it. And so we did. And Mrs. Howard, her personality, um, her vision, she, she's such a visionary. She was such a visionary, and just exchanging conversation with her was enlightening and empowering. And to see a female who was at the head of her game yeah. in the food and beverage industry, was um, it, it totally, totally inspired me, and I knew I wanted to be closer to her and around her. Um, and so I said yes. So I worked at Rosa Mexicano on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesdays. And I started out in the kitchen. And it was phenomenal. I fell in love with the mole and with, and with the lacoche and, oh, my God. Uh, and, of course, with the chipotle peppers. And, again, I'm like, this, this is heaven. I've died and gone to heaven with the spices and the seasonings. And then I moved to the front, front of the house, which is where I had most of my experience at Sylvia's. And it was, it was great. I love people. It showed. And when I worked at Sylvia's, I worked in a dining room that sat 350 people. And we didn't have a computer at the time, and so I would do everything by pen and paper. All three rooms by myself with pen and paper. Wow. When I got to Rosa Mexicano, there was a computer system, and I was like, wow. Uh, and I had two hostesses with me, and so I would, I would sometimes triple their cover count on the, on the slower days of the week. You wrote, Rosa Mexicano was... Uh... A trendsetter, I think, in the Mexican food restaurant scene in New York City. It definitely was. Um, Mrs. Howard was serving really high-end gourmet, I would call it, Mexican cuisine, long before everyone else jumped on the Mexican bandwagon. It was herself as well as her partners, Doug Griebel and Dan Hickey, um, who I'm still very, very close with to, to this day. As a matter of fact, when I went to open Melba's, it was um, Doug Griebel and Dan Hickey who said to me, you know, we just bought this restaurant, and we're going to gut it out. Go and look and see if there's anything you can use in your restaurant. And it saved me so much. They were so generous and so kind. It was very beneficial to me. And to this day, he's one of the people, he along with Drew and Marcus Samuelson, are a few of the people that I call to seek out when I need help or, or advice. You have such an interesting path that got you where you are today. I want to quickly touch on Chef Michael LaMonaco and Windows on the World. That was such a special place. Windows on the World was indeed a very special part of my life. Um, Windows on the World was a hit. 
everybody knew windows on the world. It yeah. was beautiful. It took, you could you could overlook New York City, a skyline unlike no other. Sunday was the only day um, that they really weren't doing a lot of covers because, of course, and on Sundays, you know, there, there weren't a lot of people in that area. So Michael Lamonico called me up and he said, I know you started the Gospel Brunch at Sylvia's. I'd love for you to come and do something um, on Sundays at Windows. Went down and I saw the space and I said, you know what, let's do a champagne gospel brunch. He goes, whatever you want to do, as long as you think it's, it's going to be a hit. And so we started the champagne gospel brunch. We went from, they were doing, when we started, I think between 40 and 70 covers. And we would do between four to 600 every Sunday. So it was a huge hit. Um, September 9th, we were there that Sunday. September 10th, um, I had a meeting with Michael Lamonico to renew my contract. And oh, wow. Of course, September 11th was yeah. a day that none of us will ever forget. It changed all of our lives. Tell us about your restaurants in Harlem. Comfort Food knows, knows no religion. <laughs> It knows uh, no, um, you know, it, it knows no bank uh, limits. It knows no ethnicities. It's, it's all about food that, that makes you feel good. And, and that's what I think the food at Melbourne does. I think it makes our guests feel good. And it reminds them of a little bit of home. Speaking of comfort food, last night I made your country collard greens on page 172. Yay! So tell me about this recipe. Well... Collard greens are are a staple in comfort food as well as soul food. Collard greens were the bitter greens. They were they were the garbage greens, and um, you know we had to take them and, and and make them taste taste amazing. So what I do is I put a little bit of red pepper for a little spice, and I use smoked turkey wings. You know, a, a lot of times now people don't want to, they really don't want to use uh, ham or, or, or pork. And so what I do in the restaurant, you know, my grandmother on any given day, she wouldn't even have thought about smoked turkey wings. The ham hocks went in a pot, you know, they boiled, you got the juices, all the flavor, the smokiness from them, and then the collard greens went in. But, you know, today people are looking for different alternatives. And smoked turkey is, is an amazing way to substitute one of the other things that we do with the collard greens is I take the juice from it, and it's called pot liquor. Yes. I saved mine from the yes. dish last night. So what can I do with it? Oh, my God. You can make an amazing dirty martini, but you can also take some cornbread, and you can sop it. Now, sop it, or you can take a biscuit and sop it. Sop is when you dip it in, you get that flavor, and then you yep. eat it. So you can sop it. And you can also uh, use it as a broth. How long will this last in my fridge? Well, you can also freeze it. Okay. So you can freeze it and it can last you a few weeks. But pot liquor is really good because, remember, you have all the depth of the greens in there as well as a little bit of that spice and all the seasoning that just lays right in the bottom of the pot. The hot sauce gave it a little kick. It does. Um, I'm a big fan of Frank's hot sauce. Uh, when you get Frank's, it's not going to be overly salty, which sometimes hot sauce can be. And you're going to get just the right amount of kick and flavor. And no one delivers it better than Frank's. Where can we find you on the web? On the web, you can find me at www.melbazrestaurant.com. Again, 
M-E-L-B as in boy, A-S, restaurant.com. Thanks so much for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you, Susie. Thanks for having me.